0: Welcome to TSOB with Dr. G, a podcast featuring intellectual table talk about race and sexuality. I'm your host, Dr. Tracy Q. Gilbert, a sexuality educator, writer, and researcher. Join me as I talk with the most brilliant minds in human sexuality, applying a professional black lens to discussions about sexiness, health, and healing in the new millennium. It's TSOB, the sex ed of black folk. Let's get to the get down, shall we? So, we begin this episode with a little bitty secret. Last week's episode did not go the way it was supposed to go. What was initially a conversation between three amazing, dope-ass people ended up, after significant, unfortunate technical issues, being truncated into a conversation between just two. Thankfully, because this is Black Music Month, and in the music world, there is such a thing as a remix, we were able to partially make up some of what happened in that original conversation. And so I'm going to share that with you all in this bonus episode. So without further ado, please enjoy this remix of episode 13, The Soundtrack of Sex Ed, again featuring Louis Ortiz Fonseca, along with special guest, Dominique Gordon. All right. You know what? We don't even have to do a intro because I already got that set up. Let's just jump in. So tell me, apparently, the Jackson brothers accepted an apology that nobody in the black community approved. Like, <laughs> how? Not even Janet. Like,
1: see, this how? is- How? You know what? I didn't even read that article. I saw, you know, when you log on to, like, Google and you see the, the snippets- yeah of articles that she could read i saw that and rolled my damn eyes because like if if i didn't hear from janet which um man, why would they do invalid. that near her birthday like right
0: so right. i don't even know
1: which brothers it was
0: and just the audacity it's the audacity for me to feel that you ha- you are authorized to accept an apology for something that did not actually happen to you
2: well, and and as though Justin has done a real apology. Also. Like, you also. know what I'm saying? Like, that, like, not only are you accepting something for me, but you've accepted something subpar for mm-hmm. me. Like, right. level based on, I was randomly watching like a NSYNC. It was like this deep dive on JC C Chazé, like his career being robbed. And uh-huh. there was this whole piece where I didn't know that after the Super Bowl, J. C. was supposed to announce his album at like the Pro Bowl, and because of what Justin did yep. at the Super Bowl, they canceled J. C. at the yep. Pro Bowl, and yep. his album oh, never out. Wow. And he said in the interview, like Justin just was like, "I'm sorry," but looking back, if you think about like J. Z. was J. C. was J. C. Charize was a vocalist, and so like that moment, that decision by Justin had ripples, and I just yeah. think something that was so impactful we need a, we need one good speaking circle yes. at least yeah 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 somebody yeah. to put Julia out we need incense. like this this is not an apple no press release this right. is it's you a know come what to I'm,
0: jesus moment like a Sure, like sure. Come but it was
2: funny when, it was funny when i saw that cuz i was just thinking this week my goodness one the impact of what he did and the audacity of her brothers to really silence her and low-key, like, minimize the impact of what he did right? and how it, how it impacted her as a Black woman.
0: Right. Yeah. So, okay, so everybody, we are... You're going... This is going to be a little bit unorthodox of an episode just because we had some hateration and the holleration the last time we came together to speak and so we are doing a remix where we're bringing in some pieces that represent the old original conversation and some pieces that represent the new conversation so right now we are actually recording this portion the day after Janet Jackson uh the 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 great patron saint Janet Jackson celebrated her birthday and so we are having a moment to lift her up and just acknowledge um the ways that somehow men decided they wanted to uh I don't even... I, I can't even explain it. Like, just decide that they, they were authorized to speak for Janet, to uh, atone for the fuckery that was exacted on our queen. And so... um we just damn wanna. Tito, Jackie, and Marlon. <laughs> like, Tito, like, how dare got, you?
1: Who is asking them questions? No shade. Right. But, like, y'all couldn't even get Jermaine on the line. <laughs> like, <laughs> y'all got really? Tito, Jackie and Marlon?
3: Okay,
2: I'm done. Listen, I already said if Jermaine ain't out here singing, if if you if you say my eyes are beautiful with somebody I don't want to hear from him. That's like all. Well, he can do.
0: Why don't you? But even then, why don't you do what you did? Why don't you not do what y'all just did and oh, yes, do man. that again? Oh, um, <laughs> all right. My so God. let me back it up uh, because I want to pull in at least a, a couple pieces from the first interview, Dominique in particular when we and i when you and i talked and i mentioned we got to talking about music and i told you i was going to talk to Louie, you were like okay i'm about to be on this conversation i need to be here tell us what made you so adamant about joining this conversation and particularly sex ed all of that
2: well i mean i love y'all and y'all know what y'all talking about when y'all talk about music um i think you remember last year in the summer in the pandemic like louie and i have kiki about music from the jump, but Tracy, I think the first time we had some great moments was, it was like the versus battles and we was trying to oh, build yeah. these in our head. And I, I love people who just remember that time of music that impacted my life. So I just thought it would just be a beautiful moment. But on the other side of it, like music is, is our, it's like our Van Gogh, it's our, our Rembrandt as black folks, right? What we experience is in our music and, what I've experienced as a sex educator is that these young people, they're not only like expressing themselves through their music, they think it's like the Bible of how they're supposed to live. And um, it's, it's perpetuating a lot of a lot of harm. And so Mm -hmm. I try to be up on it currently, just, yo, this is what these babies are like, we were ingesting Whitney Houston and all the man that I need. And and, and the problematicness in, you know, you give good love and and, and, right. and and side chick things from SWV, you know, and these babies are digesting something else. And so I think music and sex ed is really powerful and a great intersection. And we shouldn't just just talk about it when y'all want to make a really right. terrible campaign and put that same of yes. song out there <laughs> for these kids.
0: Absolutely. And, and so at some point, I do want us to talk about kind of what you said about the new conversation and what young folks are learning now. But I really want to bring in a little bit uh, more of kind of what our experience was like. Right. So thinking back to what it was like for you growing up, what lessons do you feel like you learned about sex and sexuality from the music you grew up listening to? If you feel like you learned anything at all.
2: I think for me, and I don't remember what I said last time. So I'm going to just keep it a bug. Go ahead.
0: Because
2: this may be, we've been like two months and just a lot of happened. I was gonna say this. Don't
1: these... <laughs> so I'm not even the same person anymore. Right. No, exactly. for real,
2: bitch. Get into the highlight. Exactly. Because if she's piecing this together, get into the skin, honey. Um, <laughs> but these, these estrogen months hit different. But because you just be like, oh, I didn't know I knew this. Yes. Looking back, I think we fell in love with love. We didn't really get a lot of critical analysis of love. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: We were kind of told to just kind of stand by your man in all circumstances Um, and pleasure. And for me, before I identified as a Black trans woman and socialized as such, I still felt I still held a very femme space in the world. And it just it was about sex was about pleasing the man. Mm. When you heard a woman saying about sex, it was like, I wanna sex you up. And when it was and when it was a man talking about it, I want you to freak me. Not I'm gonna freak you, not I'm gonna make you have an orgasm, not I'm gonna suck your titties. It's freak me. Right. And so I think those are big things. It was a lot of fairy tale, a lot of servitude, and a lack of critical analysis of what I deserve versus what I'm giving out. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm. I was sitting with that because I hear a lot of young folks now, and I know that every generation does that, right? They go back. And they think through, like, oh, you know, I love the music from back in the day. Um, and so I feel like a lot of what we hear now is people talking about, oh, a 90s R&B kind of love. And I'm like, do y'all really listen to the 90s R&B? Because I feel like that's not the kind of love that I feel like anybody needs to be experiencing. Like, I honestly say, I'm like, if you say you want a 90s R&B love, it's because you've never heard 70s Soul. That's my perspective. But, um... Louis, what do you, what do you say? What do you feel like like you learned, or what do you feel like are the the themes and the big pieces of of nineties music?
1: You know, I would echo everything that you and Dominique said, and also I think that um, I also learned that it could be fun and romantic, because what I saw in the context of my real life wasn't that it wasn't candlelight,
3: mm.
1: right? It wasn't no one ever talked about sex. And when they did, it was usually to demean a woman or someone who was femme presenting, right? So like these 90s songs that obviously were very choreographed that gave yes. this message as Dominic said, you know, like you have to, that, you know, women have to do the work around pleasing a man, right? Like I'm gonna get my hair done. I got my nails done. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be
3: good tonight. i waiting right? like, for it's you. Like,
1: yes, mm. yes. I, so I did learn all of that and didn't necessarily subscribe to that as I became an adult because that sounded just a lot, like a lot of work. Right? Like, <laughs> right. like I, I just, I'm just not that committed. Like, is that even that yes. I agree or disagree. It just sounds like a I'm lot. I'm just lazy. But it but it did give me, and part of it was fairy tale, and also that relationships could be different from what I saw.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that, you know, grow, you know, as I got older, you know, with, you know the janet album which came out in 1993 um there was this kind of like if janet can talk about sex over a hot beat and it it wasn't subversive yeah it was like you know anytime i remember thinking anytime any place was like this like like this brave song like you're gonna kiss any place anytime Mm -hmm. oh you're you are really in charge of your life janet
0: (laughs) yes you've got the control yes She said controlling went all out. Right, 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 right. I love that because, too, um, I think there's also a conversation that could be had about the ways that sexuality became, I don't want to say this in a, like, blaming way, but, like, became more explicit in terms of people owning it more. Like, back in the day, people wouldn't say, I want to you know, lick your titties. I want to do this explicit thing. They, you know, I want to treasure, you know, get caught up in the rapture, right? But it, it did kind of feel a little bit more empowering to hear like, no, anywhere, anytime, any place. like we can, you know, there was much more of a explicit in, in thinking about like folks like Adina Howard, you know, like I will be a freak until the day until the dawn, which feels very much like a, like a pledge, <laughs> like a pledge of allegiance.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Baby, and I took that pledge. <laughs> But I, you know, I did, going back to Janet, I think because Janet's album, 1993 Janet, period, mm-hmm. she was on the period shit before, you know, City Girls, right. um, came after Madonna's erotica,
3: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
1: And erotica, I mean, Madonna always pushed what was, you know, marketed as this woman and artist who pushed the envelope, and she most certainly did. And, you know several aspects of a career, but I didn't relate to erotica in the same way that Janet's. Yeah, and it's it was because Janet was Janet is a black woman, right? Um, and, and it and it, it it didn't it didn't come across as sexual like shock in order right. for to um shock other people. It was like this is my reality, and it was the reality of you know what I talked about with a lot of my girlfriends after school on the block. So I just wanted to like mention that, because I think when people talk about Janet's, you know, her coming, quote unquote, coming into her sexuality, um, that larger mass mainstream media doesn't mention that it, that it was a black woman. Yeah. And that it did come after erotica. Yeah. Right. And I think
0: we need to say that. Like, yeah. And I I love that you've mentioned that because I think too, it does to use the kids, what the kids say, it does hit different that. Black women and black femmes and and just black folks, period, are were making those claims at the time because I think it does bring in this certain level of relevance that just isn't the same when it's Madonna, right? Like I like you brought up SWV, Dom, and I'm thinking about like. I didn't realize how many of their songs were about being side chicks until you listen, and it's like, oh yeah. But but there was just this idea of like, oh, these are girls who are just like me, right? They're from my, you know, they're from my lived experience. They're from my um, neighborhoods. They're from my, like, they look like girls I could have gone to school with. And so I'm curious for you all, like, how you feel like if at all that might have affected the ways that even young people take in the music and like resonate with the music? Like, does it matter that the person is Black? Like, what role do you feel like the identity of the person producing the music has in terms of what people take in, what people like maybe even are willing to embody versus, oh, I'm just listening to a song?
2: I think it's two parts. I think think absolutely race does have a play to it. Mm -hmm. But what I also was thinking about when Louie was sharing is that I think video concepts, played a part Mm -hmm. because, you know, when you think about those videos of those those videos from Janet or or you think about, you know, um, 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 saving all my love for you, you see Whitney in the studio, you're here listening to the beautiful voice and then it's it's four or five times for maybe you go back to the lyrics and still then it doesn't hit. Mm -hmm. Um, Janet was, she was, she was, she was, she was selling sex, but she was selling regalness. She was selling, she was, it was, it was grand boots. You know what I'm saying? Because again, sexuality, they sexuality that's not okay is, 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 um, sold as dirty and seedy. And these folks aren't looking like that. So this can't be, That right SUV, even when they was given round the way, girl tees still beautiful. All these things compared to now, where I don't think the songs are so different, but City Girls is gonna give you a good three minutes twerking on the side of the beach. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's that's it. That's all. Right. I think that you look at WAP I think that was a moment where, one, it was a sickening song, Mm -hmm. but it was this fine line of a very well-produced music video, and everyone looked beautiful, but also there were some, it was was risque at the same time. So I don't want to underestimate the power of videos, video, you know, Andre Crouch and all them, there was a reason those producers were paid so much.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: And as Black folks, I think that once we lost the investment in music videos, the ways Ooh. that we were
3: scrutinized
2: increased, right? Um, but that hit me when, when Louie was talking, because you think of that time, those videos were always matched. Even when the women were talking about servitude, you d- it didn't look like that in the video.
0: Right. Come on, yes. You know what's coming up for me when you say that? I'm thinking of like, that's the way love goes and how that wasn't like some fancy studio video. I mean, it was a studio video, but I'm like, the scene is real life. It's people sitting in their homes, friends vibing with each other. And that's very different from what we see now. That's very much like, I'm going to give you some detached version of like, feminine objectification in a lot of ways, even though, you know, again, I love WAP, right? Like I love, I'm not gonna knock any of that, but just thinking about what difference is that when you have like, this is what black femininity is looking like in a real time lived experience versus this is a product that we've manufactured for the next two minutes, three minutes, 30 seconds for you to just get titillated by. Um, And then again, bringing in sex ed, what then does that do to the consumer, the young consumer who's like just taking it in and trying to imagine what it has to do with their life. So I can definitely see that. Um, This actually makes me think of another piece that we um, were talking about before. And you had this beautiful, beautiful piece on this where, uh, Dominique, I feel like you had, where you were responding to this idea of like, when when adults say, well, what about the kids, right? Like, what do you say to that? Like when it comes to sexually explicit music, should we be concerned? And if so, in what way should we be concerned?
2: Well, for me, it's more of a concern of the lack of the information that young people have access to, um, and I don't think when we did this last time that "Call Me by Your Name" had come out yet. I don't think it had come out yet.
0: Not at all. And,
2: no. Nope. And and there was an interesting thing with Lil Nas last week was like, I want people to see me as somebody to look up to, but I'm not here to raise your children. And I think and and I and and I think that's important because. Um, if, if if a song is the first place your young person files out, finds out about this, it's not really a reflection of a bad artist or a poor industry. It's a reflection of you haven't offered your child this information. And as a girl who learned how to drive by just trying, I hit a few cars compared to if my parents had <laughs> taught me how to drive, right? Like, seriously, like that's right, right? It's it, I think of the same thing. We need to be more aware um, that more information does not instinctively mean young folks are going to engage. This is not something you can prevent them from hearing and seeing, right? And Mm -hmm. I think there's something powerful when a young person can be in a space and be like, not only am I aware of this, I've seen young people be like, you know what? I know what this is and this isn't really for me. I don't really live for this. This is why I don't live for it. And I think that's the real work. So, Mm -hmm. so censoring trying to prevent young people from seeing stuff that you know a kids bop version is coming eventually right um (laughs) these kids know how to get behind all the paywalls all the things when it's at the end of the day inform these children and 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 i think that's what's that's what i what i think is so important i think i said this last time we're always like well these kids are moving so quickly and anytime i see somebody pull out real a way that we assume they're kind of speeding out i think of when is being held back and the engine is going and then it peels out yeah and so it's like also let us engage in accountability as community as parents as trusted adults as aunties and uncles and, and 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 family members of we need to stop ignoring these young people that are giving us all sorts of indicators about what they want to learn about who they're about to become the, the things they're about to do and we're doing like this and they're like are oh, you okay well psh, i'm gonna speed out Right. And then we like, oh, dang, I wish that somebody would. have They did. They did tell us, right. and 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 we 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 weren't helpful. And so I think those are, I know that's not exactly what I said last time, but that little little Nas moment at the intersection of like religion and all of these things, ways they wanted th- this young person to be accountable for their young person's salvation. I'm like, I thought Jehovah did all that. <laughs> like I thought that was like negotiations about. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like my eternity. I don't think, I don't think Montero like was like, I won't like that's my ministry. I don't
0: remember Right. I don't, I don't remember Montero saying that that was going to be his responsibility at all. <laughs> Definitely. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, no. And you actually did use that car analogy. So I'm like, that's perfect. So I want to go back because we know that. So, thinking of your work with Grand Verones Louis, and and how you prioritize the art of storytelling and the and the importance of people telling their stories, you mentioned um, when people think about music, like if you can remember something along the lines of if you can remember where you were when you first heard a certain song, then that you know that's really powerful. So, I want to ask you both just to tell a story real quick. When was the first time you remember thinking about sexual content in music and what was it that you were thinking about or interacting with and what do you feel like you you got from that experience? And while you all are thinking, I can share my experience. For me, I never saw sex as a negative thing because I grew up with Luther Vandross and I distinctly remember listening not and not just Luther Luther Jeffrey Osborne like folks who were talking about making love right and I just remember somehow knowing nobody ever sat me down and said oh well this is sex but I just remember listening to that music and thinking okay this is something pretty huge and but also getting like okay this is not something for me as a seven year old as a six year old but it was something that's like oh this is this is the sex thing that you're you're in love and you're having these moments and whatever and just remembering and just feeling that sense of like oh okay this is what this is okay and that just being a part of my experience I could go into a bunch of other stories but how about y'all when was the first time that you just remember interacting with someone where you were just like "Mm, this is a little different this is a little extra and what was that like for you you know, when what covered for me,
1: uh, it's so funny, because I, you know, I can instinctively remember performing with a Tia, rest in peace, um, and Penny, two girls who lived on my block, performing In My House by the Mary Jane Girls in the early 80s. I, I remember watching Like a Virgin. I remember dancing to Vanity's Nasty Girl, but it never occurred to me that those were songs about sex, right? And even if you yes. look back, how they were considered suggestive, um, suggestive. You know, like you know, like all I, I, all people have to do is Google Tipper Gore, and her, yes, um, you know her. I think I don't know what the word is, but her like commitment to like you know say that music is dirty. We have the the parental advisory on on albums because of Tipper Gore. And even though I knew that that was happening, I didn't quite understand it, but it was funny how Times Fly by Janet Jackson, The Last Song Mm -hmm. of Control Mm -hmm. and the moaning at the end. That's when I knew like, hold up, right? Because (laughs) (laughs) again, that's during the time where anyone who attempts or any woman who attempts to do something that media, um, you know, you know, experienced or consumed as sexually suggestive was always compared to Madonna. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, are you as wild as Madonna, right? So I think that I had that playing in the background and Jenna Jackson just didn't present like in 1996 as anybody who was in challenging or standing alongside Madonna and her shtick at the time, right, because it was like
3: Uh Michael's
1: little sister the Jacksons right. also had this reputation as being American royalty. But it was getting that cassette and listening to funny outside flies. And I was like, oh, this Ooh. is without a doubt about sex. Yeah. Right. Yes. I think it I missed, I missed the subtext, or maybe not the so much subtext of Nasty Girl in my house. But right. I get it here. And I think that's also because I'm entering my teens. But again, because it was Janet, I think it it hit differently
3: mm-hmm. right
1: cuz i love mm-hmm. janet i was listening to what she was saying i wanted to be grown and have control and it and it came across as um i don't want to say innocent but like like kind of like a first love or it, it sounded like what she imagined sex was Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that that's where I was. And it's, you know, and it's, I'm on Six and Lee High in North Philly. Like, I I can remember like playing on my one speaker, one cassette radio, but that is when (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. um, These
0: songs are about sex. Right. Right. Got you. (laughs) Dominique, what about you?
2: Yo, like, I'm, so I was very, like, sheltered and, like my parents met in the ninth grade, got married after they graduated high school and were married for like 27 years from my father passed away. Mm-hmm. And so it was like that fairy tale thing. It was not a good thing because it made me believe like the first person I loved was the person I was supposed to be with. And I was supposed to, you know, deal with all the things that I saw my parents go through. And I feel like my approach to love really affected how I engage with sex early on, Mm -hmm. which was this kind of idea of giving myself. And I was sitting here thinking about what was the first time that I recognized it was saying something deeper. I was in the backseat of a 1988
0: Ford Taurus, blue, right.
2: and my mother was playing Superwoman by Karen White. Mm. And it's that line you uh, just. Mother said, <laughs> "You said the juice is sour." It used it to used be to so be sweet. sweet, but I can't help but to wonder
3: wow. if you're talking.
2: About it. And I said, I don't think "Yo, i that this
0: moment.
1: never ever." Wow,
0: my mind is blown. Literally,
2: and. I and, and I remember just, I remember, wa- and also watching my mom and my aunties go up right. listening to this song, right? So watching them live, and I want to be like my mom, like all day, so like, yes, you know what I'm saying? But I just remember coming back to that part of the song. And uh, now going forward, like, you know, it's 30 some years later, you look at that song and it's really, you know, it's a lament. It's one of the yeah. moments that should be in a Broadway, where yeah. and uh, I just so that idea of a man really dictating my value and my worth
3: uh-huh. really
2: intersected with how I engage with sex Ooh, for like uh. the, most of my life yeah maybe three or four honestly of oh you say it's not good then I'm gonna try to do it better um um you know not not you just not not you not that you're neglecting me by not kissing me today because you've kissed me every other day and you're you're weaponizing your love against me what do I gotta do to get you to kiss Mm -hmm. me again And, and and I and and so like that song came out in 88 I was six years old and so I think me and music really, I was never really, when I was younger, I never was like, you know, I would listen to Adina here and there, you know what I mean? But it was, I was more of a ballad girl and, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. But I just, I bring that up because I think it's important to know that when we're talking about music and education and how we are edifying people through music, it's not going to always be, I'm, I'm I'm putting my pussy on his face. Right. You know, the other stories that we're telling to young people. That they're taking as Bible, right. that that is, you know, you done said my juice and went bad. Yeah, and I
0: like I feel a type of way. I, you know, I'm out here d- drinking all my water.
2: The fact that Babyface wrote that, who he say that to when he when he put that in there? Mm, listen.
0: I just need to I just need to acknowledge that I'm going to be sitting for a little while about like a whole reimagination of the juice, because that's not what I was thinking until this very moment. (laughs) (laughs) But I think I, I definitely can relate to everything that you said, Dominique, about what it taught, what those songs taught about What, how you're supposed to show up in relationships. Like um, uh, tangentially, I think of, often I tell folks that I remember when Waiting to Exhale came out and that whole soundtrack. And I remember not knowing what they were talking about. I remember not understanding what it, what do you mean waiting to exhale until I got in my twenties and I started to, and I was like, oh, okay and when you go back and you see the sacrifice and the ways that it was like this is how it means to be in this relationship
2: listen if y'all love yourselves at all (laughs) go on youtube find the video of whitney in the white suit with the monica quails on Mm -hmm. at the bill at the billboard awards singing why does it hurt so bad yeah and I think it was really the first time mother sweated out her lace, cause lace wasn't good back then. <laughs> but staying to the heavens, and that's when I knew what heartbreak was. Yeah. Waiting to exhale, I'm trying to be better about niggas ain't shit, I'm really trying to be better about that. And. <laughs> and, <laughs> waiting to exhale, my sister, was that moment where I was just like, men are Trash. terrible. Trash. And and there's a whole album that supports this. <laughs> that lays you know it out, and
0: that offers receipts.
2: It was, detail. someone needs to do a real like deep dive on the women, the stories of those women who sang those songs. Yeah, I think when Whitney was singing those songs, what she was going through. Fast. T-Boz, were, you know, T-Boz was going through. Chili Dallas was taking her through, you know, you know you look at those stories of what those women were going through. Tony. Yeah, you know, Tony. Let it Shante, go.
0: I think Shantae uh, Moore was on there
2: too. Yeah, it was a few Moore. And it's a song by a young lady. I don't think she ever did anything else. It's a song called How Could You Call Her Your Baby?
0: Yeah. Shana. You,
2: you want to talk about crafting a song? Yeah. A delivery? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ooh, okay. So. So this goes into the next question that I had that I wanted to come back to from our last conversation about, I've decided to call it the sex ed soundtrack, right? So so the songs that we believe that could be used as baseline for advancing intelligent conversations about sexuality with young people. Um, one, Do- Dominique, I definitely want to get a song choice from you, because that's the one that we missed. But I'm also just thinking about um, an assignment where young people would be given the space to draft their own songs that represent how they're understanding sexuality, how they're understanding relationships. And I I think that we see those models, like you said, of, of folks who are like, this is my life. This isn't just some shit that I came up with. This is me kind of penning my life and wondering about the benefit of allowing young people that space to really craft what what's the song that could facilitate that conversation for me to bring up what's coming up for me as i'm going through my sexual development my relationship awareness my understanding of my gender and my sexual orientation and my identity and all of these different things so i know i just spit out a lot of things let's dominique real quick give me if if you were to put it on the soundtrack that you're like, if you're taking a class in my, in my class, and I'm using only songs, this is a song that we're gonna, that you're gonna learn in this class. What would you pick?
2: Broken Hearted by Brandy, both versions, mm. the regular and the remix. Because I'm, because that first, the the album version is very sweet, and it seems, you know, very innocent in some ways. And when they put her with Wanye, and again, I think about the backstory of yeah. that, and and that Wanye cheated on Brandy with Adina Howard, and Brandy got Adina's second out, you know, album stopped um, with, with with Sylvia Rhone, and all of that. And you think about like the negotiation of like, if I can't have you, I'm gonna just be brokenhearted forever, and I'm just I'm I'm a resigned to that.
3: Mm-hmm. And I
2: would young people to do some diving into like it's okay to feel the sadness but like don't do not speak I'll never have it again over your life into anything
3: yeah don't
2: speak the best I'll ever have into anything mm-hmm. and i remember listening to those songs and really believing like I'm, I'm meant to hurt if love don't hurt if i don't feel broken-hearted it i'm ain't not real really. yeah and and that was a moment for me
3: yeah oof
0: Facts, 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 facts.
2: And I know
1: I gave an answer last time, but also, but go ahead
0: with another, because we were trying to get five each. Yeah, but I I think the context
1: (laughs) of like, what could you know, supporting young people, um, and because I'm a father of an 18 year old son, who I think that I talked about sex, um, or made it thought that I made it okay um, to talk about sex in the household. Um, I get all the reasons why he doesn't want to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I've listened to some of things he listens to, and my God. But I think that <laughs> one of the songs um, could be Jermaine Stewart's We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off, released
3: mm. in 1986.
1: And I think for yes. many reasons, right? Because it's released in 1986 at the height of the AIDS epidemic, so it is, like, couched as this abstinence-only song. But I also think the... The, the gender reversal, or what we would what we would have called the gender the gender reversal in 1986, it is the guy, Jermaine, telling his lover or his partner to slow down. That there's much more to love or much more to our relationship than sex, and we don't mm-hmm. necessarily hear that as much, right? There's always this right. expectation or this notion that femmes and women's have to serve or be of service of men in the bedroom, and that men have to lead and charge um, mm-hmm. and make all those decisions, right? Like they, they're, they're just there to demand the pleasure that we've been taught to give them. And I think that right. we don't have to take our clothes off is an interesting song. I, I would love to play it for younger people to see cause like what they hear sonically, right? Cause it's very yeah. different than what is happening now. Um, but I think lyrically, I wonder like what kind of conversations they would have around expectations um, of men and women um, mm-hmm. and gender not conforming folks when we talk about um, sex or delaying sex, but still wanting to enjoy our time together.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yes, I think that's a great song. that to- also just because i remember it and i love it <laughs> i just remember that song um so the song i the song, i don't know if y'all remember the song i brought up but i think it's also related to whatever song you did say in that moment dominique i actually brought up r kelly and so um i think
2: i had said aj nothing but a number by alia is the one that i brought up and i brought it up not only because of the song but remember but but uh, having a moment when the the the, the whole documentary came out realizing that that man was standing on the corner watching that child on that cover mm-hmm. and how none of us thought that was inappropriate or out of pocket but that being 14 cuz Ali and I are you know would been that same age thing and like you know I was my boyfriend was 21 when I was 16 mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and really like saying that and kids still say that to this day mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. when they and may have never even heard that song and i'm just like well i know I, why how i was kind of influenced but y'all where where who's who's saying that out there to y'all right um right. yes that's what we said i was talking about aaliyah and then honey we went to the aura
0: yeah the aura yeah 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 and um so definitely there i any other folks that you feel like either artists or songs that you feel like you know what the sex ed soundtrack this is what i would have in my soundtrack
2: I think rocking, knocking the boots is Ooh. important. And you notice I gave it a, a Caucasian uh, important because um, I wanted y'all to hear it all. Uh, just because, on the flip side, I think it's I think it's really important to talk about like not all all sex interaction has to be romantic or has to be about love. It can just be about pleasure. It can yeah. be rough. And rocking, knocking some boots gives a certain connotation um, that just hits. If the boots have been knocked, honey, that's a blessing. Right. Um, and well, yeah, I, I remember <laughs> I remember that little moment of in the '90s being like, I know I'm not supposed to listen to this, but knocking the boots. Ooh, that sound cute. <laughs>
0: Right, 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 right. And let's talk about both versions, right? Because there's H-Town and there's Candyman, and both of them are equally as entertaining. So that is also, yes. (laughs) Louis, how about you?
1: You know, I'm only going to because I have been thinking about this because it would be 30 years since it's released around this time, is Whitney Houston's Miracle. It's not necessarily about sex, but I've always wondered if it was about um, abortion. It's supposed to be
0: right. I thought it was supposed it was to be about
2: right? her miscarriage, it was about her miscarriage. And it's, I think, the only song that Whitney wrote lyrics to. It's the only song that she has writing credits. And it oh, was about wow. her miscarriage because she okay, was okay I- in that I'm Your Baby Tonight era. She was pregnant, yeah. and I think like coming off the tour or something like that, she had a miscarriage, and that's what Miracle is about.
0: Wow. Yeah. I, I I don't know if it was listening to um, Robin's autobiography, but she, I thought it was about an abortion or something. I thought she had said that it was about abortion, but I think both of those discussions can be part, that song can be used to elevate both of those discussions. Definitely. Definitely. Um, My, my final offer, not final offering, but my offering to the conversation would be anything produced by the one and only Missy Elliott. I just feel like that whole catalog, gave us so many things that I listen to now and I'm just like, wow. So, you know, Pussy Don't Fail Me Now. Um, uh, just I mean, just anything. Takeaway. Like there's just so many songs. One minute man, one minute like man. that was yep. one. But I was also just thinking of um, Is it worth it? Work it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let yes. me work it. I flip my thing. Yeah. Like it's just like I and I feel like there's so many pieces in there where in terms of talking about like body positivity, right? The fact that she wasn't slim, the fact that she was empowered, right? So talking about sexual empowerment, talking about uh, always Femmes pleasure, like really flipping the script on what we learned in the nineties about, you know, like, no, actually this is what you're gonna do. I wanna find out if you can work it. I wanna find out if you're good at this. Um, So this was another new question. We'll see if it ends up in the final episode. But one that came up for me is if you had to pick Who is one music artist besides Dominique that you would consider taking a sex ed class from and why? Mm. Good, good question. This is a dope ass
1: bonus track. Um, Yes. hmm. Okay, hold on. Let me, you know, um... Hmm.
2: I'm torn, but you know what? I feel like the quiet folks is the one that's really freaky. I would want to take a <laughs> sex ed class from Barbara Streisand.
0: Word. Seen a lot,
2: and okay. she been deep in the streets. And the way she sung "No More Tears," she done seen some things, huh? Mm. And she done had all sorts of men. You know, she done, she, she done, she done, she done did her thing. And I feel like it would be real cunty. Um, and it would, it would, it would, it would be a sickening moment. You know, okay. I would live. <laughs>
1: I love that. I love that. Louie? Oh my God. I am, um, let me think. Hold on. Give me 30 seconds. Because this is okay. a great fucking question that it, even it I is. have never thought about. Um, okay, I am going to go with. I'm trying not to say Janet. <laughs> <laughs> um, Although, <laughs> but I'm inclined to because if because if I chart my own sexual development, it is through her music. Yeah, right. Like so, like the more I, the more comfortable we think, or like the more comfortable she presented about her body and her sexuality from like control all the way unto Demita Joe and all the album um, after that, like that charts my development around sex mm-hmm. and all my ideas around sex, ones that were uh-huh. progressive and not, like me going back and forth about, because I remember thinking that if I went down, if I was the first to suck the dick in a relationship, that meant that that could be something held over me. Of mm. course, like as an adult looking back now, I'm like, but I made those separations, and I know that those separations were gendered, right? It right. was like, don't make the first move, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because that, that would mean something. But I, I I would say Janet because it revealed itself slowly, yeah, through every album, yeah. right? Yeah, um, and it and it progressed through every album, good or bad, right? Like, I, there was times I was like, girl, I, I get it. Can I get? Can I get? Right. Can I? Can I get another bop though? um but i think that you know um she's older now and i I think that there is so much to be learned from her journey especially for those who are now parenting um Mm. who relate to that journey and what we can you know how can we recognize that in our young people because i'm sure there are artists that that are charting my son's development that i don't know about but how mm-hmm. can I be more cognizant about that? How right. can I you know, use the music he's lis- uh, listening to as conversation starters?
3: Right, um, right, right, right.
1: Or to, yeah, so I would say, Janet.
2: I love that. Oh, for an honorable mention to Karen Clark, share for me, because church people are <laughs> freaky as hell. And... <laughs> Come
0: yes, on. Yes. There's a bomb in Gilead it has a whole different, different meaning, a whole different connotation. Come Listen,
2: on. Lawrence was teaching, sis, so just shout out to Mother (laughs) Cannon.
0: All right. I said for me, actually, I might be willing to take a class from Erica Badu. I feel like her whole trajectory, not just even her music, but her life. I'm like, there's power there. Like, There's a reason why all that Badu pussy incense sold out. And I just want to know. I just want to elevate my own game. So I would be sitting in that. Yeah, I would be sitting in that class.
2: You would need aftercare, you would need aftercare, because I feel like it would be intense as hell. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> but also just very magical, like I just feel like I just could manifest some things and I just feel like I'm ready for that, I'm ready for that. Mm. <laughs> um, Dominique, one song from your album that would be on the Sex Ed soundtrack?
2: Um, Probably the You Can Get a Remix with Miss Mikey, because... <sighs> when i built that song um you can get it the original was like one of the first like sexual songs that i wrote and i wanted to write something that felt like the 90s and we put nan nigga in there there's a little bit of kia in there There's throw that ass in the circle of sample in there and mikey came in there with that very uh, kim you know that very 90s raw vibe uh, um, on his verse and it just feels if it feels sexual but I, it feels sexual like from my independence it doesn't feel like a um a servitude sexuality i'm be, i feel sexy whether somebody's here or not and if you're here and you get to and we enjoy it together that's all the better but i'm still like twerking in the house by myself and getting my life and i yeah. wanted people to feel like that and and so yeah i would i would say that
0: okay bet 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 okay so we are almost done but i realized um there's a question that i asked all my guests that i didn't actually get to ask either one of you. And so I want to ask it right now. And um, it's particularly, especially on a day such as this for you, Dominique, I would love for you both to think about kind of where you are and who you are as a sex ed professional and what you feel like in that is your, either your legacy or your significance or your, what your role is in terms of sex ed or just kind of where we are as a world and as a community what do you feel like the impact is that you either are making or intend to make in this life so whoever wants to go first
2: i think for me you know a lot of people talk about sex ed for all that might be in somebody's mission statement child and i'm not trying being shady by saying that um it's okay is it is it it's okay (laughs) okay it's all right
0: It is all right. But but what I
2: want to say is that I believe in it, but I I think that when when I've heard when I've heard folks say it it's like oh we want we want people to know about sex ed to you know mm-hmm. address these other things that like impact society I want everyone to know about sex ed because I see the power in them understanding themselves and understanding others and as an abolitionist I truly believe sex education is a tool to get us to a world where we don't depend on systems
0: mm-hmm. and
2: so what I hope I'm I've brought to it and and the reason that I've done my my best to continue to engage although my day job has shifted is because i don't want to lose that connection for myself as a kid that grew up in group homes and and all those things that didn't really get that until i got into work but two I don't want y'all to not understand that a lot of people are going to prison and having issues in relationships and community because y'all haven't taught them about emotional intelligence,
3: mm-hmm.
2: right? And, 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 and like, it's it, it's something powerful there. And also sex educators are some of the most skilled people. I know y'all have to be the most skilled. Like the, the, the development isn't so important. Why would I not want the most skilled, brilliant people Facing towards one of the biggest issues, yes, all of these things around sexual health, but mass incarceration and these other health disparities that are intertwined with sexual health. Right. So that's what I try to do, and that's what I hope I'm I'm known for as I do the work and, you know, Mm -hmm. when I go for glory.
0: Got it. Thank you. Thank you, Louie. You know, I think with
1: the work of Gravadones, like me and Armante, we're always talking about this, especially when we get invited to present at Latino conferences. And I think a lot of our work is, and I'd say that some of the sex ed geared or designed for Latino, you know, or HIV prevention messaging um, for la- specifically Latino gay men is not necessary, but there needs to be this, we work to remind people that Latino is not a race, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. Some Latinos, how people interact with them had to do with their phenotype, how they present. And getting, you know, reminding people that, you know, like Dominique just mentioned, if we're committed to sex ed for all, then that requires work even when we're working in focused communities, mm-hmm. right? Because even in 2021, I will be in meetings and the regressive ideas around like reach a Latino gay men are rooted in anti-blackness. There is this assumption mm-hmm. that because this is set in this way or has this colors or this person is on this poster that it would reach all Latinos when in reality mm-hmm. that, that is not the case, right? Right. And and it's it's so I think with the work that me and Armante try to do with Gravadones is one to remind people that latinos not a race that people interact with black latinos very differently like you know how black latinos present how they speak how people see them dictates who they are and how we move through the world and that includes sex ed so it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that the tools that have been provided are not enough it for those tools to remind us that there's so much more for us to build how do we use the tools that we now have in order to build um, and stay rooted in our commitment that sex ed is for all. That is a challenge for me. That is a challenge for Armante. That is a challenge for everyone that we work with. And Mm -hmm. I think that I'm more comfortable and more confident. And now that I have the language to communicate that, I didn't always have the language to communicate that. I think that people always experienced me as a person who didn't like anything or who was always critiquing something. Right, Mm -hmm. and therefore for years Mm -hmm. I would say, why aren't people inviting me to Latino conferences or groups? I no longer have that feeling because I I know now why, right? Yeah. And when I when I do decide, I now know how to articulate me and Armando know how to articulate the work that needs to be done. You want us to participate in the work? Well, this is what we bring to the work. Right. And this is what needs to happen. If you're committed to this, then we are totally down to go through the rough spot, have the hard conversation. If it means that on the other side of that, that there is more expansive conversations around Black Latinos and um, sex ed. Yeah.
0: Oof. Y'all, oof. y'all are just, I just, I'm so grateful for the people that I know that y'all just, y'all just so fucking dope. Um, Dominique, I'm going to give you any, last words that you want to share because I gave uh I have Louie's last words on the last track so I want to give you any last words
2: my last word is just an addendum to um the playlist I want to give a shout out to Robin um for a little song called show me and I remember it was 1998 I was you know a a young lady tw- twirling around my high school in a sophomore year and sis said if you want to lo- if you really want me <laughs> show me that I'm special honey mm-hmm. and and um and then he obviously didn't because sis said I'm out here dancing on my own a few years later <laughs> and I just <laughs> I just want to give honor today <laughs> yes um, Giving us that Bob about, listen, you're going to respect me. You're going to treat me right, or you got to hit the bricks. Asha. I
0: Asha. <laughs> I say, I say. And, and I'm just reminded, I'm just thinking in this moment, thinking of what you just said, Louis, about the tools and the tools that we have available. I think this conversation really just shows that when we are skilled in the ways that Dominique mentioned, we can use our music in really constructive ways and powerful ways to really get young people engaged and get them thinking more critically about their lived experience and not just taking things in, right? If we had another five hours, which we don't, we could talk about all the ways that, yeah, you could learn a lot of things. That doesn't mean you're gonna do them because you have people in your life who are teaching you how to be critical, who are teaching you how to be responsive, how who are teaching you how to be mindful about the music that you take in and not just giving you things and then judging you for how you're processing it. So, um, we are done and that is the end. So <laughs> you've been listening to TSOB with Dr. G produced by Dr. Tracy Q. Gilbert of Tembi I. To keep up with all things TSOB, follow us on social media at TSOB the podcast, which you can find on Twitter instagram or facebook for past episodes of the show visit tsobpodcast.com or subscribe to the show either on youtube or anywhere else you listen to podcasts now don't forget that you've got homework for this episode To find the downloadable worksheet for this or any other episode of the show, head on over again to tsobpodcast.com where you'll find it and any other important information from the show notes. And finally, do you have any questions or thoughts to share? Sound off by email at mailbox at tsobpodcast.com. Again, this was TSOB, the sex ed of black folk. Thank you for listening. Talk again soon.